Thank you for tuning in to Healing Race. In this video, Andre and I discuss whether the motivations that fuel racial discrimination and inequality have decreased over the years, or whether they have simply laid dormant, ready to reemerge when times get tough. We also discuss how these racial prejudices get spoken in white circles, and whether there is a link between racial prejudices and the policies that Americans support. So let's get to that conversation now. Enjoy. So with respect to race and public policy, then where is the line? When do we start having the conversation? When is when okay we say okay now the elephant is making noise and we need to deal with the elephant because it feels like in the US we kick cans down the road. Yeah, I mean I think that honestly to be perfectly frank, I think that's even more distant. I feel like if you can't have the conversation in your interpersonal life mm -hmm. about about race when it does come up the likelihood of getting you to a place of supporting policies that rectify racial issues, if you don't already support them, that is, mm -hmm. is a, it's a, it's a long stride to get there. But you're asking the question, when do we get to talking about those issues so that we can deal with them? Is that is that what you're asking or or when do we get to dealing with them? Because I think there's a whole lot of like political things that like structural issues. Because I want, to, because I mean, those are both precursors to solving a problem, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So I'm asking both, talking and doing something and eventually getting to a future state that's not like our current state. Or, because I often wonder, you know, with respect to change, have, have things changed or have context just shifted, right? So right. if you're examining a problem, let's say it's an orb, have you really understood the problem or have you just changed the orientation of the problem? Mm -hmm. To make it look more palatable, is that what you're asking? To make it look more palatable. Right. Or to make the appearance of, no, we've solved it. No, you didn't, you just changed the orientation of it. Mm -hmm. Especially with racial profiling. Yeah. So on the topic of racial profiling, yeah, that conversation has come up and then it's died down at different times and then it's come up. And whenever there are issues around crime and law and order, obviously those those tools start to become part of the conversation, right? Those discriminatory tools become part of the conversation again. And so you're you're asking is that motivation still there, right? Is that is that tendency to go toward these discriminatory practices just always lying beneath the surface? And when times are good, we don't need them. But when times, and, and so the, the issue looks like it's improving, but when That's times exactly are not so good- That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I just wanna make sure that we're on the same page. <laughs> That's exactly what that's I'm exactly saying. what you're saying. And maybe that's me having a fatalistic mind. I don't know. 
But that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm like, uh-huh, wait for the context to change and then you'll see all this start happening again. Yeah. My theory around it is I think that until we have a better understanding of each other's experiences and backgrounds, they give us a they give us a fuller view of what we each have to contend with it's hard for me to see sustainable shifts it's hard for me to see sustainable shifts in attitudes because people can always use other excuses what do I, or other reasons or how, or develop other theories of why things are the, they, the way they are. So you'll get some people who say, as I don't have to tell you, but I'm just going to bring it out into the, into the open. Slavery was so long ago. Jim Crow was so long ago. Redlining was so long ago. Times have changed. When is it going to be time for, let's say, the Black community to just take responsibility and realize you have more opportunity now and, and, and plenty of opportunity to, to do what you want in life and be who you want to be? And by the way, I want to highlight that not only do just white people say this, Black people say this to, sure. a, a, as a critique of our own community. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so if, if you imagine someone who is white or black mm -hmm. thinking about the inequities that exist without any sense of context of what that is really like and why there might be barriers beyond what we would think is fair for people based on the color of their skin until they get a, a real sense that that actually does exist, it's going to be easy to just say, opportunity exists, people need to take responsibility for their own lives. People need to take advantage of the opportunities that they have. People need to stop blaming the context. It's, it's, easy, gonna, it's easy to have another theory that especially one that just keeps keeps one in place that keeps what exists in place right for someone who doesn't see a problem who doesn't experience a problem to understand that that, that there's a problem they need to fully see in that problem and say oh wow i actually didn't really understand that and it goes both ways so I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll just throw it out to you for you to comment on whether I'm right or wrong. But it seemed like through the course of our conversation, as you understood more and more how little race and racial conversations were a part of my life, maybe you had some little increase at least of understanding of why I might be naive to certain things, not understand certain things, have taken longer to get to the point of maybe wanting to be a part of changing the, 
That is true. The and state I've of race less, relations. I've become less judgy about it. Because my first thought is, where has this dude been? <laughs> yeah. I've become less judgy about it. Yeah. Too. Just yeah. to know that this is just the experience that I had. Mm-hmm. And I think the same happens in the reverse, right? And it will certainly happen in the reverse. Me ha- having no understanding that you carry it around this, this deeply emotional self-protective mechanism on an ongoing basis and that it it affected little things in your life like whether you want to walk in your neighborhood deeper than what i even realized myself actually as i talked it out with you yeah that then opened my eyes to wow i should have had that conversation with andre a long time ago wow i understand where he's coming from and some of his views around race in america based on having that feeling mm-hmm. so i just think it's it's hard. It's it's easy for people to rationalize. We all rationalize. It's easy to people to rationalize why things can stay the way they are if they seem okay for oneself. Um, we're status quo oriented. Like even in our personal lives, it's easy to stay with our our habits, right? To change a habit to become healthier or to become, you know, more empathetic in our relationship or whatever changes we need to make. It's you know, we're it's a much easier to just keep using the same routines and to maintaining the same habits as a human being. And maybe that's so, why I wanted to, what I call psychological safety. Mm-hmm. I think there is a, so to get back to your question on that, I think there is a psychological safety. And that's what I was trying to bring up around having the conversation. It It's uncomfortable to have a conversation about race um, or it can be, I found it enjoyable, but I can imagine, <laughs> I can imagine that it's uncomfortable that if all of a sudden you hear someone saying something, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you about a recent experience, um, that I didn't have, but that I heard there's someone in my social network who was kind of in a social gathering that I could have been a part of. I wasn't, a, happened not to be a part of that, that particular gathering. And I heard it reported that in that gathering, Someone said they somehow the topic of race came up. I don't know if it was like some policy issue that was happening. I don't know if it was George Floyd. I don't know if it was, you know, protests that were happening in like Portland. Um, um, I, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but we've had plenty to talk about about race in the last you know year. So one of those things was probably in the you know media circus <laughs> atmosphere, you know, environment. Um, and someone in that social circle said something like, oh, man, I, I'm going to get it wrong, Andre, but it was like, well, I think black men do look scarier or something like that. And when that person who was part of that conversation told me that, I was like, and what, ha- like, what happened? <laughs> you know, like, I wished I was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it kind of felt like, I don't remember exactly what the response was, but honestly, it felt like it kind of got laughed off, mm-hmm. right? People are just mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Just like so for, me, for me, it's like, how can you not say, like, what are you talking? Have you never seen a white person who looks scary? Have you ever so seen you a black know. person who didn't look scary, who you didn't feel threatened by? Have you ever, like... <clears throat> For me, it would have been, I would have been nice about, I would have been, you know, I wouldn't have pushed them away, right? Because then you just don't have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I certainly would have entered into a conversation about that, right? That's the kind of radical honesty that Black people want to hear from people who come on this program. Because we know you say that shit about us. We know you say it. Uh-huh. I, oh, well, who? Me? 
No, not not you. Not, 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 not you. Not you. You know, it is said. We know those things are being said. That, we sometimes, know it. that sometimes are said. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like this is like a ongoing con- for some people in the in the country, race for some for some white people in the country, race is a very salient issue. Mm-hmm. And there are people I would just want to be, even though I push back on how extensive some of these psychological attributes are with white, you know, with white the white population, uh, I do want to be you know, acknowledge there are people who are outrightly either in society or outrightly in their social circles um, have white supremacist views, right? Or have at least really negative views of, of people, of black people, yeah? <laughs> let's, so let's be perfectly honest that, the, that that does exist in the country. Okay, for those people, I'm sure there's ongoing conversation like that. For I'd say a large portion of people, I don't want you to imagine, because I don't think this is that a comment like that is like coming up all the time. Like mm-hmm. I in my life life had never heard anything like that in my circle. Mm-hmm. I still haven't like in front of me. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe if I were there, it wouldn't have been said. Um, I don't know. Could but, be, could be. but the point is that, but the point you're making is that it does come up. Right, that these that's that these prejudices, these biases, are spoken sometimes, mm-hmm. and then, and then what happens when that's the case, right? And they certainly would be and less likely to happen because we, like I said, your behavior, the behavior bears it out. So the public policy, when I mean behavior, the public policy or whatever bears it out. That's why we feel that way. I would be more. That's why you feel that way. And you know, I'm always hesitant about ascribing motivations to policies for all the reasons that we've talked about, because there's other motivations that can happen. Yes. But when it comes to other kinds of interpersonal behaviors where, you know, does someone, I don't know, see a black person enter the room and look to make sure their wallet is secure. Right. Excellent example. That's an, that's a, or does someone see a black person on the street, let's say, and start walking more quickly? Mm-hmm. A crossover. <laughs> a crossover, <laughs> right. Um, or so in some of those other, those, those other behaviors that happen, that I can more understand as being a direct link between a feeling, a thought that, yeah, that. black that. people look scary, right? Um, and then, yeah, we can see it in your behavior when you check your wallet or you mm-hmm. cross the street or so I I can understand that. I can understand that if you have seen that happen in your environment or you've heard it through your social network that one of your friends went to a restaurant and whatever happened happened, right? Um, one of these behaviors happened that that is is an outward example of something that is felt or thought internally and you might wonder whether those things are talked about i mean sometimes they're not because to be honest like i don't know a lot of people andre who would even be so brash to say something like that in a social circle even if it was an all-white circle so I think 
when I, I think a little bit of my not confusion, but our difficulty in answering the question of like, what do we talk about in white circles is that I think the question to me is more, what are the thoughts and feelings people have that they don't verbalize, but that show in behavior? Because a comment like that one is not acceptable in a lot of all white um, gatherings. You wouldn't know if some white person in that group would be someone who would speak up would be someone at the very least who, if they didn't feel comfortable saying something, would judge you for it. Um, now, is it more comfortable in an all white group than in a mixed race group? Of course, like who the hell's gonna say that with you being there, right? Uh -huh. um, Hope someone with some decorum. So I understand why you think people would be more comfortable bringing it up. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd be surprised with how little something like that, at least in my spheres, uh, people would say anything like that um, even if they might feel it, think it internally, and show behaviors that exhibit it. I accept that. I think that's just your circle, but <laughs> I accept that. Yeah, and I'm I can't, gonna keep, I can't. And quite honestly, I'm going to keep pushing you uh, um, to make that link between that sort of individual behavior and motivations behind public policy. Like, I'm not gonna let that go because I, <laughs> I think the individual behaviors inform policy decisions that we support as people. I agree. I'm not disagreeing with that, Andre. Um, I'm not disagreeing. I think there's research that bears that out. Um, I, I know research around welfare support mm -hmm. that bears out that it's, it's views on, on um, views about the black population, views about I think this particular one was um, single, single black mothers, um, like views on single black mothers had a st strong influence on whether someone supported welfare. So I, and it, and it wasn't the same for, for single, um, there was, there was an effect for single white mothers, meaning people who are just, in, who are just um, single mothers period and in poverty. But, but the, the, the strong effect was when it was someone who was black. So uh, that's just one of like a whole set of examples of the ways in which bias lead to different behaviors mm -hmm. in interviewing and in hiring and in, in all sorts of areas. So I am, I would be having seen the research that I've seen, I would be blinded, <laughs> you know, I would be blinded to say that personal views about Black people, personal biases don't wind up leading to support or lack of support for policies. They they certainly thank you for saying that, Todd. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just also I feel like I just made a touchdown in a football game. I really do. As you acknowledged, though, also that there could be other motivations. Is all that I. That's the old. That's the point that I wanted to make. I said I'll accept that. <laughs> I'm, Todd, I am excellent when it comes to rhetoric. Trust me. <laughs> um, oh, God, I love yeah. this show. So can I ask you a reverse before we, before please, we go on this? Please, um, Do you see any of the same hesitation in Black circles about talking about white people? Is there ever... Clarify. So, 
yeah, so so I'm assuming that in black gatherings, there are some times when there are conversations that talk about white people and Hell yeah. evaluate them. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We share so, information. <laughs> so is there ever hesitation about saying something that might be negative about white people because of the judgments that that they might get in a black circle from someone who might say hey i think that's biased hey i think i think to answer your question there is so we it is it is negatively received if a black person would try to denigrate a white person that we know is a good person Mm. or to try to denigrate white people and like let's say at a party to their face mm-hmm. like you would like let's say we have a you know a white person at a party and to say something that denigrates the white race or white people that is real that's not accepted that is uncouth Got it. or like or like i said it to denigrate a white person who you know is a good person they're like uh-uh then uh that's that's no but the white race in general is not necessarily about denigration, but it's about just things to look out for, especially for Black people, at least in my social circle, it really centers around employment and just sort of the shady ways shade is thrown at us on jobs, irrespective of what job it is. It could be the highest social caste in corporate or it could be lower social caste. But a lot of it centers around employment and being conscious of the shade that could come our way um, in my, even in minute ways and how to deal with it. Mm. That's been my, my social experience is watch out because they could do or they could say, and that could lead to et cetera kind of a thing. Interesting. But we don't, we, we don't just denigrate white people out of hand. That's not that, that I have been in environments. And I think I've even made a comment about white people who, Black people knew to be good, and I was shut down. I was like, "Nah, that's you know, you don't don't talk about them like that." Yeah, I think you know, I think what you just said is a really important dis- distinction. I'm glad I asked the question. Here's why, and I and I just want to add to it a little bit because what you're saying is that there is an experience of bias and discrimination that members of the black population experience, and there is conversation about what to look out for in that way and strategies to use, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. to, to handle mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Now, someone mm-hmm. might say, so that's very practical, right? That's a very practical conversation rather than a, an outright biased or prejudice con- conversation. Like, oh, white people are just like this or mm-hmm. that or whatever. Um, That's the first distinction that I think is really important. The second thing, though, is someone still might say, well, you have these conversations about what to expect or what might happen. But that kind of assumes that any white person is going to act that way. And we we assume that it could come from any one of a person because we've had someone in the so then the friend friend or family network that had the experience. Right. So what we, we, maybe it's kind of contrary to your personal thinking, but we assume that what happened to one black person could happen to any black person, at least in my social circle, we do. So it's, yeah. it, 
it's that's why that's the impetus behind sharing information. Yeah, and so that that distinction is the next distinction I was going to make because I think some people would maybe read that as you being about you stereotyping or your group stereotyping white people to act in a certain way. And what I think is different here is you're not necessarily assuming that every white person would do that. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is that this could happen mm-hmm. for someone who carries racial bias in that way. Mm-hmm. And here's how to prepare for it. So if the, so if the elephant ever lands at your doorstep, this is what happened. This is the way people in your friend and family network dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm trying to channel how someone might respond to this and flip it around. And I don't, I, because this is like a new, new way of thinking for me um, and a new conversation. I'm not exactly sure what I even think about it, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. What if someone who is white said the same thing in reverse to you about black people? What if they said, I don't think that every black person is X, whatever it is, mm. aggressive or scary looking scary looking or scary acting right um or what were the three things um my colleague had said about the things he was hearing from from Ku Klux Klan members lazy criminal and untrustworthy oh no it was it was um it was um stupid yeah mm-hmm. Those are we're, often, we're often um is <laughs> Yeah, and I challenge that if they only knew the number of black innovations yeah. that the country relied on. Yeah, now, granted, I just want to be really perfectly like very. Yeah. These are Ku Klux Klan members, so these are people yes. who are mm-hmm. they're they're way you know. I get it. They're invested really not in because they're talking about But anyways, whatever, whatever, whatever stereotypes mm-hmm. one might say with black people are or black women are or black men are. And they said, well, I've had this experience and I haven't had it with a white person before. And they said, well, we're having this conversation to kind of prepare for that situation, Mm -hmm. right? Would that feel racist or prejudiced or biased in a way that doesn't feel for you talking about a white person treating a black person in a certain way? Hell yes. So tell me what the reason why is. Oh, I'm about to tell you. The reason why is because our motivation is self-preservation, right? And trying to trying to keep together the support and what we have. The white person who's coming with this sort of scenario, you don't necessarily, more than likely, you're the person in the power position and you're not coming from the same motivation. You don't, you're not trying to keep together and the supports that you have in life. For us, it's a matter of us supporting one another, where what you're doing is literally perpetuating a stereotype. We're not out there trying to, trying to, uh, how would you say, sort of like denigrate white people in order to perpetuate a stereotype. We're trying to support one another. We wish we wouldn't, didn't have to have these strategies or pass along this information because then the world would just be equal. But because it's not, and we're not all like living in Wonderland with Alice, then you need information. With the white people, it's different. 
You okay, so what if someone said, so I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to channel what I might hear as, as pushback. Okay. Sure. So what if someone said, which I've heard spoken out there, well, but it is self-preservation in some ways. So if we're going to talk about, let's say, criminal hmm. behavior, right? And if we look at the proportions out there of crimes, it's going to show up that crimes are more likely to be committed by a black person. You're wrong. So first of all, all of that, all of that statistics and da 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 depends on what's happening at the edge, right? Meaning, how are people? So, what are the main avenues of intake to deal with criminality, and how is criminality being reported? So we uh, we've heard. I completely out of hand reject that because we've heard this over and over and over again with no, what is this show about? What is reality about? Nuance, with yeah. no nuance, with respect. What is the nuance? What is the nuance there? So you provided some- The framework, the frame, like I just said, the framework with which criminality is first reported and then the intake of the said criminal, of the alleged criminal, right? Because we live in a guilty versus, you know, proven yeah. this kind of a thing. But uh, that's why I completely reject that out of hand. And that's why it doesn't, that's why what the white person sort of pushback feels or they're, you know, in your scenario, if they were to come and say, we are self-preserving ourselves or whatever, that feels racist because you're the ones in power. Like, I mean, I would almost agree. Yeah, it is. There is an aspect of self-preservation. You're trying to preserve the system of inequity because you get to benefit from it. Mm -hmm. You're the ones who are in power and shit. We're trying to preserve our ability to just live our lives that you're trying to impede because of your white supremacy. Yeah. So, so you would bring up now, what I would just say to you as a little pushback on that evaluation necessarily is what you're saying, what I'm hearing you're, you saying at the beginning of what you said is they have, they have incorrect information or that they at least have information that lacks nuance. Yes. So then the question would be, they're acting on the information that currently exists. Right. And so I guess the question of well, no, they're acting on information that has been crafted to suit their purpose. Correct, correct. That has been crafted. We're acting on information to help preserve basic need, like not getting fired from my job or not ending up in the criminal justice system. Yeah, I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that that these data points are not crafted uh, in some way. All I'm saying is there are recipients of these, this information that form the view of the world that someone might have. If this, is, if this is what they think the facts are because whatever they happen to watch shares these as the facts of the matter, they probably honestly, genuinely think those are the facts of the matter. Um, and the question is, if they get different facts of the matter, do they update their beliefs uh, and their actions accordingly. Um, what I would like to say is not necessarily, because depending on what the new information may be, it could directly challenge the worldview that has given them a sense of psychological safety. So they reject it. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I think you understand <laughs> at least some portion of that. Here, here's why I think you understand some portion of that is that you said the exact, like almost literally the same words about yourself when you were talking about kind of the castle, right? Oh um, yeah, I do. I understand why white people are the way they are. If I were white, hell, I may do the same thing, but I'm not. 
So I'm advocating for the people who no, are. This is all to say that we all have self-protective mechanisms, right? That, that, what did you say at some point? You said, uh, you, you had something, you had something great. I love how you like to quote me back to me. <laughs> no, because I think there's wisdom in what you say. Oh, <laughs> Actually, that's so sweet. no, I really mean it. You said, you said something about when we were talking about cancel culture, you said we need to be careful about not dismissing people out of hand and listening to their experiences, um, especially the ones that challenge our worldview, right? I did uh, say that. <laughs> and, and what I'm suggesting to you is I think you're right. This person might have a worldview and a worldview that they think is protecting them in some way. And so even getting new information, they might be resistant to that, right? Because they might think, oh, if that takes a brick out of the castle, am I going to be protected? Because I held this worldview. Taking a brick out of the castle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I think you understand. I think you're right. And I think you have a, a personal experience. I think we both, I think we all do of that, of that holding on to a narrative that we think has protected us or led to a vision of the world that we think that we want to hold on to for some reason, right? For some motivation. I think we, I, I, you know, I think humans do that. So. But I do want to highlight, because I'm with people in the back of my mind with respect to who's going to see this in the world, that that critique has been said as though Black people are holding on to victim mentality. And that's not what's going on here. So <clears throat> a desire for equity and highlighting all of the instances throughout history where equity has been less than optimal is yep. not holding on to a victim mentality. What we're trying to do is escape the victim mentality. What, what you know, people are, and maybe I should quit saying we and say I, what I feel is that we're trying to move beyond that. And the way to move beyond that is to make, is to engender greater equality. Yeah, I feel you like mean, it's you, you can't paint people as victims and say, you know what? Everyone's equal. You're going to have equal access to this good. Let's talk in economic terms. You're going to have equal access to this good and service, irrespective of race. Everyone gets it, right? And so if a person tries to come and say, well, you know, I'm being victimized or whatever, depending on the context of that, of that scenario, that's a hard argument to make. But it's an easier argument to make when it's obvious that there are some impediments to people based on race receiving the good or service. Yeah, yeah. I... I think it's it's a tough trap to get out of to have barriers that are baked into our society in some way. I mean, let's let, let me step back. I just don't know any situation in which we are wholly responsible for our destiny. I just don't. That, that isn't a combination of our personal actions and the context. I mean, we're not, but we're we not. certainly have, we influence it. We're co-creators in it, of it. Exactly. So, so that being the case, let's say for all human beings, right? Um, talking about the circumstances or conditions that led to some outcome for my life does not mean that I'm not also acknowledging personal responsibility and what I need to do in my life, right? And what I think is a trap that I think is, that's problematic to me is when people think that you can't talk about context that is really providing barriers 
because it means that all of a sudden you're a victim, right? And so you, not you, me or anybody mm -hmm. is therefore impeded by some barriers, still working hard, right, to, to overcome them, but impeded by them, but unable to talk about them because any talk of them means that I'm being judged or perceived to not be taking responsibility. I think mm -hmm. that is a vicious trap that is uncalled for and unreasonable. Now, we can have reasonable differences about looking at some set of facts and saying to what degree are we responsible or not or how much is certain are certain barriers affecting us or not i think there's reasonable disagreement to be had on the extent and level and does it happen you know more in some areas of the country or less in some areas of the country there's there's plenty of nuance and discussion and debate to be had around that but to outright say that any discussion of some sort of systematic barrier means that someone's not taking responsibility is to me just a trap. It's just a trap to not be to not be able to to change things that might actually exist in the context. And that that I find very problematic. And so I empathize. And I yes, with and what, I feel like that paradigm saying. of thinking has been projected onto black people with some things. Thank you for watching this episode of Healing Race and stay with us for a scene from our next video. If you want to see more conversations like the one you just watched, please subscribe to our channel, share this video with friends and family, and like and comment on the video below. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our episodes and have an open, real conversation about race, email us at guests at healingraceshow.com. And if there are topics you think we should cover, we'd love to hear them. So please email your ideas to topics at healingraceshow.com. As always, thanks for your support. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Now, here's a scene from our next Healing Race. These people have been in the white people, I mean, let me say not say these people, white people have been in power from the day they landed on this country until today. Mm -hmm. And that's not an accident. That's not, that's not happenstance. So yep. somebody somewhere is having a conversation about how to organize ourselves into longevity and into perpetuity. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that is a, that's a, when, when someone may say that's not on a, you know, it's not maybe I'm being, you know, how would you say, uh, paranoid or something like that. I'm like, I hear what you're saying, and I could take your point, because I'm not saying that's happening in every white household, mm -hmm. but in key white households, it's happened enough to keep them in power from the day they walked onto this land until today. Mm -hmm. And that's, like I said, that's not happenstance. That's, de that's deliberate.